The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. Today, we are missing one of our podcasters. I'm not listener. Ooh, I'm going to tell Robin you said that. We'll see if she's But we have a very special kind of person filling in for Robin, and that is... Dylan Forbes. Yay. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, and then uh, Alexis? I'm not sure I should admit I'm here after the earlier comment. (laughs) But I'm Alexis, I'm here. um, So today we have a review of the headlines affecting our community. We have a very special interview with Dylan that's coming up later in the podcast. Um, But before we do any of that, we have Gwen Smith's Gender Nation. Gender Nation is a bi-weekly trans advocate column by the founder of the Transgender Day of Remembrance, Gwendolyn Ann Smith. In what may set the tone for the 2018 midterm elections, an ad for Illinois candidate for governor, Janine Evers, is targeting transgender people and other favourite conservative targets. The advert named Thank You, Bruce Rauner, criticises her Democratic opponent, using people who may or may not be actors to thank Governor Rauner for his stance on hot-button issues. The way these issues are presented in the ad are heavily slanted towards conservative viewpoints on immigration, abortion and transgender public accommodation access. In the ad, a transgender person is represented by a stocky and deep-voiced person with facial stubble in a short red dress who says... Thank you for legislation that lets me use the girls' bathroom. It is worth noting that Rauner did sign House Bill 1785 into law in 2017, allowing for easier birth certification changes for transgender people. However, House Bill 1785 did not specifically cite public accommodations for transgender people, such as the ad appears to be claiming. The ad then includes a woman in a pussy hat, thanking him for making the state pay for her abortion, and a Caucasian in a black hoodie, with his face covered with a bandana, thanking the governor for opposing law enforcement and making Illinois a sanctuary state for illegal Illinois immigrant criminals. The ad also includes digs against the Chicago school system and against utility rate hikes. Both Republicans and Democrats spoke out against the advertisement, calling for it to be pulled from the airways. In a statement from Illinois Republican Party Chairman Tim Schneider, he stated, There is no place in the Illinois Republican Party for rhetoric that attacks our fellow Illinoisans based on their race, gender or humanity. He not only suggested its removal, but suggested that Eves apologised to Illinois residents who were negatively portrayed in a cowardly attempt to stoke political division. Eves is not considered a likely candidate in the race, but in the wake of the 2018 presidential election, anything is possible. It is worth noting, too, that Illinois Republicans have a Holocaust denier, white supremacist and former American Nazi party leader Arthur Jones running unopposed for a congressional seat. A transgender student in Cupertino, California, was assaulted in a student parking lot on the 24th of January. The student, Dejaya Smith, was struck in the face and knocked out by their assailant in what area police are calling a hate crime. The second he saw me, he screamed faggot and just punched me in the face and I was knocked out cold. 
Smith told KGO-TV in San Francisco. Once Smith regained consciousness, they alerted police. A police sketch of the suspect has been distributed on campus and while police have some leads, no suspect has been arrested at this time. The suspect is described as a white male in his late 30s or early 40s, about 5 foot 10 and about 200 pounds. He is also described as having silver hair. This is the second attack Smith has faced. A week before the current attack, Smith was struck from behind in the same parking garage and once again was called a faggot by their assailant. They did not initially file a police report on the first attack, only telling a campus advisor. It is unclear if the same person committed both acts of violence. California hate crime laws are inclusive of gender and sexual orientation, and the state's law covers actual or perceived gender. House Bill 2164, introduced by Republicans in the Iowa House of Representatives, is the latest anti-transgender bathroom bill to be filed in the United States. This one seeks to alter the state's Civil Rights Act. Rep Sandy Salmon, in speaking on the bill to the Des Moines Register, claims the bill is solely about protection, not discrimination. What the bill just says is that schools and businesses are allowed to take action to protect women and girls by preserving access based on biological sex. Iowa's Civil Rights Act was updated in 2007 to include language specific to gender identity and sexual orientation as a protected class. House Bill 2164 would amend these protections, stating that it would not be unfair to regardless of transition status or phenotype, forced trans people to use bathrooms assigned to them at birth. House Bill 2164 is one of a long line of so-called bathroom bills, which North Carolina's House Bill 2 being the most well-known. A similar effort failed to gain traction in Texas last year. So, hey, did y'all hear that our dear leader wants to have a military parade. No, 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 not my leader. Well, he says in his uh, State of the Union address, he said that he is here to unite us all. He says a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) And so I guess we are going to have tanks and bombs and people marching around saluting him in unison. You know, I'm sort of okay with that, but you know what happens right after that? We have to completely rebuild Pennsylvania Avenue because they're going to destroy it. Well, yeah, and there's the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and the security issues and all that stuff. But it's okay. Uh, it's because our money. He, well, he, he cut all the taxes, so apparently we're not going to have money to be able to afford that now. That's that, my. That, that, that's true. Or, or, or it, it'll just get piled on the debt. Oh, that thing. Yeah. That, that keeps growing and growing and growing. I, I personally don't want to be paying for a war parade for the next 30 years. You know, there is See, an upside to this. you're just unpatriotic. You know, <laughs> That's the issue. The, the size of our national debt and the way it's going actually makes me feel better being old. <laughs> Thanks, Alexis. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be paying on it nearly as long as some other people. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. So, um, well, I, I wanted to remind everyone, so, you know, the deadline has passed to register for the primaries to vote, uh, but if you have registered, um, the primary is on March 6th, so be sure 
to vote, to go to your primaries, support the people who are going to support us, and specifically support the people who are going to support our queer youth in our schools because they can't. They can't vote, and they need us to do that for them. Uh, the runoffs are going to be May 22nd, and the registration deadline for that runoff is April 23rd. You can go to the Trans Advocate to register for uh, the uh, coming elections. Um, it's right there whenever you go to the uh, front page on the right-hand side um, under a couple of the uh, assistance programs that we have. You can register right there. Um, did you know that, uh, speaking of the political process, that the RNC, that's the Republican National Committee, recently decided on their winter getaway without any input. They just kind of came together and went, you know. Was, was we, it a Trump property? No, you know, I don't know, but I would be willing to bet. Random guess. I had no knowledge of that. They, they decided that Trump's military ban is quite sound and reasonable. Um, I'm, I'm sure that they didn't use uh, any of the government's like studies, the Rand study, all of that stuff didn't figure into it. I'm sure they looked at Tr Trump's tweet and went, yeah, that sounds about right. So Executive tweet. Executive tweet, yes. Uh, they said that uh, they voted that uh, being trans should be a disqualifying psychological and physical condition uh, that... Uh, disqualifies you from service there you go but but new jersey just joined 15 other states suing the u.s government over their ban of trans uh service members i think it's safe to say that everybody in the room i'm in right now might be trans just, Might just, be. I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing. We're not it, sure. <laughs> Show of hands. <laughs> no, I don't want to raise hands. No, but so you know, I does everyone else feel as strange as I do suddenly being on the side of the Joint Chiefs and the Secretary of Defense and most of the states? It, I, this I feels tell you really what, weird it, to me. What feels it's really weird? I like. Okay, I grew up like. Um. Miss liberal, miss progressive, like joint uh, chiefs were your friend, I, right? <laughs> I, I've you know, I had VW bugs. I mean, total hippie, and here I am on this podcast, going, "No, we really need to support our troops, and we need to think about our children in our schools." And you know, those Republicans who are going after the FBI, they're just not very American. So here we go. You're supporting the FBI, the troops, the Joint Chiefs. I'll throw that back in because that's the one that keeps flooring me. Yeah. I mean, this is a really weird world we're living in. I mean, I, I get it. But... I think it's really interesting the time that we're in because um, the intersectional aspects of all of our lives and personalities are coming to a head where we do want to stand with each other and we do want to fight for the rights of, you know, the people that are in the military and some of us schools. I would say, yeah. I would say some of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you know, part of it is that reasonable people get much more reasonable when there's people who are totally unreasonable that they have to fight against because, you know, they're sitting there and they may not like the trans community or maybe they do like the trans community, 
But then they take a look at the stuff that the administration <laughs> the other side, they're going, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's like, look, I, we can get back to fighting with them later when it's just a little minor skirmish. This war thing. And, yeah. And destroy our country and destroy the world and destroy everybody. No. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, the ACLU is suing Alabama for discriminating against trans people. So apparently Alabama is one of the few states that in order to get your license to reflect who you are, who your identity, who you know, your identity, you have to have a letter from a physician saying that you have had a quote sex change. Because that's the state's business. Yes, that's yeah. the state's business. Wow. Yeah. That whenever didn't you know? Whenever you go out and the police are looking for you, they're not looking for you. Uh-huh. They're looking for your genitalia. Oh. That's that's the important thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. They should just remove our faces from our photo ID. Yeah, and you know, just wait, have the wait, sh- wait, 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 wait. <laughs> there a you go. <laughs> that, yeah, that's but... going to be on your campaign. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hang on a minute. So, Not our blood type. <laughs> so, so, so in Alabama, at least, and I'm going to stick this to Alabama. I don't even want to get it into Texas. The police are looking for our genitalia, but they're going to arrest me if I show them. <laughs> What are you I, supposed to do? I, I mean, <coughs> come on. Would it be so then they would have to censor the ID? Would it be like mood acti- like a mood ring where it's activated? <laughs> you know, it's black. Yeah, but no, no, until... no, no, no. That's sexuality. That's not gender. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not gender. You know, that, that's that gender 102 version that's, oh. that people have to get. So the ACLU says Alabama is one of only nine states that explicitly require surgery. That uh, and proof of surgery. I'm not sure what that means. That Possibly goes back to your previous comment. Exactly. <laughs> um, before they can get their ID changed, and their lo- lawsuit is Corbett v. Taylor. You know, Alabama. I think it was it's Alabama. Just Alabama. De- just decided a little thing on marriage licenses. <laughs> you know, and maybe they'll do the same thing on this. Who knows? Um, I th- yeah, it was Alabama that decided that since they were being forced to issue marriage licenses to anyone who wanted them, they'd just not issue them to anyone. Oh, okay. And so you don't get a marriage license in Alabama anymore. <laughs> a marriage boycott, like across the no, board? No, you can get married, just no license. You can't get a license. <laughs> that is the... <laughs> I mean, isn't, isn't that the marriage contract that you're making? I mean, that's the proof no, the, of your contract. No, the, no, 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 the license was just so that the government could collect money from you oh, when you really okay, get down gotcha. to it. So gotcha. what they did was get rid of all of them. So maybe they're going to do that with, like, gender, which hey, most okay of us would that. be fine yes. with. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and, yeah. and they may not notice that this would be something that we'd all be fine with. <laughs> because a lot of the people related to the marriage stuff said, we're fine with not having to get a license to get married. Wow. But, you know, going back. Of course, back... they aren't going to record it then either. You know, going back, Alexis, you, you had mentioned how weird this is, and it, it is a weird time, you know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe we were talking or something, and we mentioned how different the Republican Party is today from it was, it, you know, like, let's just say in the 50s, back uh, with the Eisenhower, I had pulled up uh, the Eisenhower Republican party platform and it looks pretty much like the democratic party platform right now and i i uh i got some pushback on this on social media it seemed to me that the problem really kind of started after 
the Civil Rights Act and all of that kind of stuff happened. Then the Dixiecrats, they were like, oh, hell, we're going to become Republicans. And that was kind of the seed of that ethno state that has been metastasizing in the Republican Party that we now see just taking over the Republican well, Party. One of our previous podcasts, I was talking about the sort of switch from who's the equality party right. with the Kennedy-Nixon um, election, if you will. And I, I think, you know, that's a big part of it. it. There was a lot of other stuff, so it was ready to go. But when Kennedy suddenly got credit for doing everything to save Martin Luther King, right, that flopped the parties. Uh-huh. And and it's a really weird thing because it, it's misinformation. He didn't do it. Uh, Nixon actually did do it and got no credit for it and got pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that's really interesting because actually um, part of my research for the campaign has been um, researching Texas political history. Mm. And when I researched Texas political history, I was like, well, let me research the states around Texas. And so in Ar- Arkansas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma, you see the same flop that after the Civil Rights Act was passed in uh, 1964, 1966, you see a huge jump in people registering to the Republican Party. Ah. And uh, and so after that, you just it, it's the the steady uh, consistent thing. On on uh, in 1971, you have the war on drugs being announced. Right. In the 1980s, right. you have uh, mass incarceration, private uh, prisons. Yeah, and Atwater was very clear yeah. that the Southern strategy was a strategy of racism. Yeah, and That's that what goes it was. all the way back to the Reconstruction era of uh, 1965, following the Civil War. And you have the three um, amendments for Reconstruction, abolish slavery, um, except for in prisons, if you're convicted of a crime, address citizenship and equal protection of the laws for all persons. And the, that was the 13th and the 14th and the 15th is prohibit discrimination in voting rights. And those are the same things that we're still fighting today. Yeah, W.G. Bilbo, the uh, U.S. senator who was a Klan member, I think it was in Mississippi, I want to say he was a Klan leader, uh, you know, he he got up and was talking about how we need to protect those white women from those uh, people coming to our bathrooms and, and doing stuff in our bathrooms. So those Negro women in, in, in D.C. using bathrooms that those white women are then having to use. And I found it really interesting that those very talking points migrated from that history of racism to be applied to just about every class of people that yeah. the that the party of unequality has targeted from women in the ERA to gay people to people with HIV to black people to native americans to jews to every everyone and, and it you know my entire life it's been exactly the same thing they just changed the name that they're attacking <laughs> Yeah. And, and and the worst part is it works because we don't attack back. And and that's getting back to the topic that we've covered a couple of times now on the podcast is, you know, they attack. They have this very good strategy of attack. And we on the progressive side, you know, we've always had this kind of milk toast 
approach to responding to it. Well, we don't want to hurt their feelings, I guess. I'm yeah. not, I sort of want to hurt their feelings you now say that I'm thinking that, about it. Hey, you say but I'm that, not the nice person. You so. say that, but I have heard progressive people say those kinds of things. I don't want to hurt their feelings. <sighs> I don't want to look like I'm being mean. I don't want to offend. Those are the you know, things that I hear. I have heard here in Houston, for instance, when there was a group that were discriminating heavily and doing very, very negative things against transgender people saying, well, but but I don't want to shut them down because they do a little bit of good. <laughs> what? And, and other people are like, if you don't want to shut them down, then don't bother because they'll win. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, it, I think that you are absolutely right when... Um, when the uh, you know right wing the the party of you know unequality looked around they 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 lost the marriage equality thing they lost the racism thing they've lost all of those other things they looked around and went okay we still need to find a cause to be able to support our organizations all of this infrastructure has been built up around save the children from our homosexual recruitments say and then the Atwater stuff with you know, all of that stuff, they looked at around and found trans people. And so now we are the primary vehicle for their fundraising. And, you know, they found trans people the same time groups like HRC found trans people. <laughs> I to noticed raise funds that. With and against. <laughs> I, I, as soon I, I, as I, Nam did, was like, did oh, they talk okay, trans. Did, did they work yeah. this all out together? I mean, I don't I, know. I, it almost seems that way. <laughs> it's, it's, good, it's, it's good timing. I... So, you know, Dylan, you're running for office. What do you think of that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's give you something you'd rather not answer. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that uh, Joe Biden said in 2011 that transgender rights was the civil rights issue of our time. And I think it's really important. But I, I still think that um, when it comes down to it, it's going to come to fighting the civil rights fight that was never finished, you know, because we still have horrible systemic racism in our communities. And especially when you see the intersectionalities of being black and trans and being black and trans and a woman, you know, there's there's a reason it's the highest mortality rate amongst our, our people. So I think that in order to deconstruct the transgender radicalized opposition, we have to work to deconstruct the racial radicalized But opposition. how do you do that? When, for instance, uh, Jordan Peterson was just on Fox and Friends, mm -hmm. and to his credulous audience of Fox viewers, he asserted that, you know, we need to be really concerned now because now, nowadays, kids as early, as young as three and four are just deciding that they're going to be trans and then they're getting all these surgeries and hormones and things and we got to be really concerned about that now i don't know what planet he lives on but you know in like the real world you can't be three and four and get surgery i mean i, I suppose technically if you're intersex and you have no say in it and a doctor just decides that they're going to assign you something that's okay <laughs> but no, no, wait. Let, 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 that sounds like you're saying it's okay. It's no, no, not it's, okay. Not okay. it's not okay. <laughs> but let's, let's under make that really clear that we live under uh, that that medical logic is that that's okay. You know, he's not he's not screaming about that. He's screaming about this made up. Um, like, how do you fight against this? So there, you've got this this group that's all getting wound up over this lie. 
and voting upon like issues like this. And, it's an out and out you lie. Know, and they're going to scream that it's freedom of speech. And the problem with that is that lies that hurt people are not freedom of speech issues. No, not at all. We have just not called them on it, and we need to start calling them on it. So I think that one thing that we could do is acknowledge that um, that every, the intersectionalities of these fights and that radical reconstruction didn't fail. It was defeated by terror and violence while the North watched. And so when we keep that in mind, that um, and then how North Carolina, I believe North Carolina beat their bathroom bill was every time there was a lie in response to transgender, anti-transgender rhetoric, they had a press conference to fight it and to combat it and to say, well, this is the truth. What they said was a lie. Here are the facts. And so I would say we need to recruit our artists. We need to recruit our activists to stand up and, and to be able to say, like, when they hear something that happens to stand up and, and to make it known that that was wrong and that people stand in opposition of it. And, and we need to deal with it from facts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, one of the problems is that we do get very, very angry about some of the things they say for really good reasons. Yes. But that's not where we need to be dealing from. We need to be dealing from facts and say, you know, the people just aren't telling the truth. Here's the truth. Mm-hmm. And after you say the truth 50 times, it has the same effect as saying the lie 50 times. I think that you need to hear the truth more because those lies are so emotion-invoking. Yeah, they are. You're the, right. That's one of the problems, too. Uh, you know, the lies usually have some sort of salacious spin mm-hmm. that catches headlines the world over. I mean, mm. they make, you know, it's all over social media. People are making memes out of it. And, and then we've got, you know, us with our glasses and our lab coats going... <clears throat> I've got this prepared speech right here, and I, I've got the numbers right here. It's actually 2.5% of oh, the no, population. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's not, that's not, so that's not what you're suggesting. No, 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 that's that's not what I'm suggesting. Um, I, I am suggesting to move um, strongly, to move with confidence, and to move knowing that we're on the side of uh, justice and equality, because uh, you know a lot of I know that there's a lot of slogans that love wins, but when it comes down to it, facts win, and we're in a, a place right now where money wins because a lot of these organizations have you know empty uh, endless pockets to throw at anti-transgender, anti-immigrant, anti-women, all of that stuff. And- and they do. That's the big thing. And they do it constantly over and over and mm-hmm. over and over. And I think, you know, one of the big things, too, is it is just fine to be righteously indignant. Mm. And that may come across as being very upset or however, you know, your indignation shows itself. But you need to be righteously indignant at some time. Sure. Yeah. And, and feel you not lose that passion you know, and, and recruit. Because when you when you feel that, you, you find people around you that will also want to pick up that fight. I mean, I have been amazed uh-huh. at how the indivisible groups have been able to maintain their level of intensity and passion for as long as they have. Usually these things burn out in three to four months, six months at the max. Indivisible has not. And I think that is really, really good. That gives me hope for a whole lot of things. Yeah, um, it gives hope for a lot of change that's happening and that things are going to be substantial and long-lasting and hopefully things are going to stick. 
you know. That's and that's the other reason we have to get good people elected because, like it or not, you can stand outside the system and you can do a lot of stuff to influence the people in the system to a certain point. So speaking of Dylan, I want to play you this clip of uh, Phyllis Fry from our last Transgender Unity Banquet. And uh, she's going to say a couple of things about um, why people need to be involved. And uh, specifically, she's going to address the very things that uh, Alexis talked about. Um, and I want to get your take on that. And anybody who wants to run for office that deadline is, I think, December the 11th? Okay. And we got three people here that I know of. Jennifer Poole is running for State House, right? Okay. Fran Watson is running for State Senate. Stephen Kirkland is running for the Supreme Court. Why aren't you running? Why aren't you running? Now, I'm serious. Why aren't you running? Now, if you want to if you want to do something to help, she needs your help, and he needs your help, and she needs your help. Volunteer help, monetary help, phone call help, all that other kind of help. But you know what? We need more of our people on the ballot. Okay, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, I ain't gonna win. Didn't bother me. <laughs> That's right. And what happened when you ran? I found friends. Not only that, but the media wanted to know what you had to say. <coughs> so that means that if you file for a House office or a Senate office, I don't care if you file as a Republican or as a Democrat, and I know there's Republicans in here because you always come up to me and the big smile on your face, I'm Republican. <laughs> and that's fine, because there's a lot of bad Republicans out there in office, and there's a lot of good Republicans, okay, who are scared, who are scared to stand up for what's right. There's a lot of good ones. We gave an award to one. Thank you, sir. But you've got to file. You have got to file. So what if you lose in February? Between December and February, I guarantee you, the media is going to come to you and they're going to want to know why you're running. And you're going to be able to say, because I've been on the Google. And I have gone to the Texas Penal Code. In, in the Google, I've gone to the Texas Penal Code, and Dan Patrick says that we've got to protect people from indecent exposure in the women's restrooms. You know what? I found that it's already against the law. 
and we gotta protect people in the women's restrooms from people coming in and masturbating and indecent exposure, you know what? I found out it was already against the law. And everything that those idiots are saying is already against the law. And you get to say that. And you get to stand up. So I want about five or six more, y'all. <laughs> to run. I don't care if you lose in February. You've got to run. And that's about all I've got to say. So we're back. And so what did you think about Phyllis's uh, speech? I thought it was really powerful and it um, it really... And you were there at the time, right? Yes, I was there with my partner. Um, she was able to get tickets for her works table. Um, they get them every year. With an amazing blue suit so everybody could see exactly where you were. <laughs> I, I saved up and that was the last money that I had. I spent it on that blue suit. <laughs> and it was actually my first suit I've ever owned. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks snazzy on yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was... She she repeated the phrase, why aren't you running, like three or four times. Mm -hmm. And it was just like echoing in my head. Why aren't you running? Why aren't you running? Well, d had you thought about running before this? Yeah. So actually in 2011, I joined the plumbers union in Houston. And my whole, I had a 10-year plan that involved uh, turning out as a journeyman in the union, um, getting on the union board, running for city council. And then the end goal was to try to be mayor of Houston. That was, ah. my, that was my very... Very uh, aggressive plan. But uh, once I experienced discrimination for my transition in the union, it really threw a wrench in, in my plans. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what I was going to do. I, I kind of went from job to job trying to find focus. But all the while, I, a part of this amazing community, I was able to continue to participate in trainings, continue to learn more about the process, the political process, and how it impacts our community and the people around us. So... Come winter 2017 and attending the Unity Banquet, after we heard Phyllis uh, speak and then Maranese Parker speak, my partner gave me an elbow and was like, you should consider running. So then I immediately went home and started talking to Alexis about <laughs> what does it take to run? I don't really know the process. And then I messaged uh, Fran and I was mm -hmm. like, how do I find out what positions or are, are, seats are going to be open? For me to run, and, and Ed Thompson's seat was the one that was open. And then I uh, I put together, a, I got my crowd pack in order and got all my papers set up, and I was able to raise the filing fee in under 48 hours. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I yeah. remember that post, yes. And now your life is trying to run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's running your life rather than your life running it. I'm yeah, sure. I, I would say it's been a, it's been the most enlightening experience I've had in a long time. Mm. I really suggest that everybody should run, but I think that we need to uh, work as citizens to make it more accessible for everybody to run. Mm -hmm. could, could, could I make a request? Will all the good people not run in just the same race? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes, that would be wonderful. I think that, you know, when... Texas 07 is sort of the example of that. <laughs> when you're considering running, look and see, make sure that you're not running against somebody who's mm. progressive and has been doing good work in the community. Um, but really, it's not until you decide to run that you see where the gaps are in other right. places. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned a lot about 
Brazoria County and the places that need a lot of work. Um, I've learned about things on the state level, and I've, and I've learned about things on the city level and the school board so in that area. So you're, you're, you would be over Brazoria County? It's just Brazoria County from Pearland down to just north of Angleton. Wow. Yeah. Now, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Back in the 80s, I tried to transition in Alvin, Texas. Yeah, that's in my district. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was a smooth, wonderful, accepting community? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so luckily, there's a lot of things that have changed in the area. So Manville went blue during the Hillary election. Really? Yeah. And um, right now, the largest issue that we have in that area is low vo- voter turnout. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, I-, I would say apathy within uh more progressive democrats in the that are, live in Brazoria county right but there's a lot of really good candidates that are bringing people out informing people that hey you're not alone you so. know that just pisses me off more than anything else these uh so-called lesser of two evils people i can only vote for the best messiah this has to be a perfect person but the truth is you know our kids who are going to school and having their lives ruined right now because they were too apathetic to fucking vote. That's yeah. the truth. We don't they, need- they can't stand up for themselves. They have to rely on their community to do it for them. Yeah. But they were too fucking apathetic to go out there and support our kids. And I hope, I really hope, that doesn't happen again. Well, I have two really big points on that, and I completely agree with you on there because um, – Number one is when it comes to voting, you don't need perfection. You need progress. Mm. And number two, we're fighting over 30 years of radicalized, conservative, anti-rights, workers' rights, LGBT rights, mm-hmm. um, immigrants' rights for the past 30 years. Absolutely. So I think when it comes to finding out how people are disenfranchised, where they're disenfranchised, and reaching them, it's all of our job. And it's really difficult for a lot of people that have been involved in the past 10 years, 20 years of organizing. You see people that are only just now getting involved in the past two years since, you know, 2016 election. And it can be unsettling because there's a lot of ideas that have, you hear the same thing a lot. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of echoes that happen. And so it's, it's people's job not only to learn the history of where we've gone as a state, where we've gone as a nation, and where you've gone in your own communities, but it's it's also your job to reach out and to find the the people that are running or being interested to run to find out how you can help. You know, not everybody's going to be able to speak eloquently. Not everybody's going to be able to, you know, maybe know all the issues that are important to the area. But when we work together as a community to empower candidates, you empower voters and we can have the real change that we need at, at a grassroots level. So what kind of things need to happen in your district? So one of the biggest issues that we have in, um, well, Brazoria County is really big. And oh, yeah. It's yeah, huge. Something to keep in mind is um, um, the the districts are broken up in, in such fractured ways that you don't have the same representative. Gerrymandered ways? Gerrymandered ways. Uh, you don't have the same representation in any districts. Mm. So, And then they change every 10 years. So for District 29, previously it included, uh, from what I, I – I understand is it included part of Sugarland oh. and went into Fort Bend, mm. but now it's just, it looks like, um, almost like a guitar pick upside down. 
hugs the beltway, and then it goes down to a point just north of Angleton. Okay. So one of the biggest things that needs to happen is we have to understand that the next 10 years it's going to be groundwork no matter what happens Mm -hmm. because there's going to be new redistricting. It's going to be worse gerrymandering, and we're going to have to work to reunify our voters and to find um, where our – our districts and boundaries lie. But that, so the trans people who ran openly um, in races recently, they did so, and it seemed like what really won them the, the race is their ground game, the, the groundwork that you're, you're specifically talking about. So uh, how are you going to reach out to people? I, I you know, I, I <laughs> having grown up in that area, um, I would say that the area has changed over the last 30 years. Um, it is not uh, as um, Alvin, Texas used to have a sign on its uh, city uh, limits that had a racial slur on it. That's horrible. And it was called a sundowner uh, um, city. So that, uh, you know, if you happen to be of a certain race or ethnicity and you were out in public, uh, you know, you should expect to have problems. Um, and, I, I, you know, what I know about that area is it's changed over the past 30 years. And uh, many, I, I know many, many people who are trans and gay and they're out and living out and fine in that area. Uh, but it is still a huge area and really diverse. Uh, working class, uh, working poor. Uh, it's n- certainly not the affluent area of Texas. Um, you know, you've got everything from the McMansion homes down to near hovels uh, where people are living um, in third world conditions. So, you know, what What are your thoughts about reaching out to those people? Who are your constituency? Well, my constituency is, for District 29, is primarily between 18 and 35, 45, I would say, is the, is the median age. And we also have a lot of, um, I would say, people that are concerned about their Social Security benefits, mm. um, you know, now and, of course, sure. in the next 10 years. But um, one of the things that I would really want voters in District 29, Brazoria County, in any rural areas, the first thing that I was told when I met some of the people that ran for this position before and they lost was Brazoria County runs very dirty campaigns. Hmm. So one thing that I would want voters to be critical of is the things that they hear about the people that are running against incumbents. You know, um, I know that the if when I get through the March primary, if I'm the Democratic candidate on the general election ballot, um, Ed Thompson has already he he raises over 180 thousand every election, mm. and that's what goes into his campaigns. And it, this is a small it's a small district, right? And you're looking at a lot of like you said, a lot of poverty, a lot of disenfranchised workers that you know overworked, underpaid. Um, and then you have pockets of, of wealth. And what you really have in that district is a lot of people that are holding on to old ideals mm-hmm. um, that they, they're really afraid of being let go. Pearland was founded by um, Polish people, and it has a rich history of a lot of different things. Now, Pearland is the place where the 17-year-old 
uh, kid ran for, uh, what was it, school board and was elected and has vocally supported trans people, right? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. uh, Mike Floyd. And uh, he's 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 a great guy. He's going he's going to really good places. But um, his father, John Floyd, was actually the last person to challenge uh, Ed Thompson. Oh, yeah. Oh, and um, that was in the 2006 election. And he um, he didn't win, um, obviously, because Ed Thompson is still representative. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, Mike figured out how to do something that his father didn't. <coughs> And that is he got the people out to vote that you just said were your constituency. Yes. And they're really hard to get out to vote, but he did. And I've, I've heard him talk about what he did to make that happen. Part of it had to be had to do with the fact that he's one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, you know, that that's really something you have to think about is that that's the group that has a very, very, very low voter turnout typically. And you've got to fix that. Yeah, and and you definitely see that people are hungry for progressive change, especially mm-hmm. in the area. Pearland is one of the most diverse suburbs of Houston. Sure, and it's growing. It's supposed to double in size in the next ten, fifteen years, um, and so that's going to mean that's going to mean a lot of things. One thing that I think it's going to mean is is expect Pearland to be cut in half the next time there's redistricting. Yeah, they you're wanna... talking about with the uh, state representative districts, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. they're good. They're gonna. They. I'm. I've foresee it cutting uh Pearland off at 288 and uh kind of shoving uh, that, that really progressive west side of Pearland off because uh-huh. uh Pearland goes it's very wide it goes from mm-hmm. west of 288 to touching Friendswood which is you know maybe about two three miles exactly on yeah. the side of 35 um and so that's the that's the most dense population in um in district 29 but then you have Manville, you have Iowa Colony, you have Liverpool, which are very small. Oh, um, Liverpool. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> which are very small areas. But, I mean, there are people that have the same concerns. You have um, poverty. You have mm-hmm. access to health care. You have um, schools that are not getting the same funding that they are in other areas. So, you know, when a school is low income, you're not going to have the students passing the standardized testing, which means that you're going to have teachers that aren't making as much, which mm-hmm. means you're going to have a higher turnover rate. All of those issues that are impacting those families. And, and I mean, they need a lot of they need they need help from representation at the, in the state capitol. So whenever I was in Alvin mm-hmm. and I came out to a school counselor, um, because in my mind, a counselor meant therapist. I didn't understand a school counselor was not a therapist. Mm. And so I made an appointment to see a counselor at my school mm. and disclosed uh, my trans status. Of course, I didn't have the words exactly to express it, but their response was to expel me. So I, I'm really wow. hoping... Did, did that fix things? Of course. I'm no longer trans. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in their school. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, they don't have to put that little mark in their, their table. <laughs> so I, I'm really hopeful that, you know, if, if someone like yourself mm-hmm. wins, um, that kids uh, in, in that area have a better chance than I did. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of things that need to change, even just um, the Alvin Community College. I was Mm. originally looking at going to Alvin Community College for networking and, um, you know, pursuing my education. But after I just tried to send them my transcripts from another school with a different name Uh than I currently use, I just 
did not like the feeling and the responses that I was getting mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. So I opted to go to HCC and, you know, I drive my 16 miles to HCC and, yep. you know, drive back uh, just to make sure that I feel safe and that I'm getting a good education. And I've known a few other people that are a part of the LGBT community to feel the same thing going to Alvin Community College. Mm-hmm. And it's not what anybody should feel. You know, if there's people living in an area, there's LGBT people, there's trans people, there's intersex people, there are people with queer identities. And the most ironic part is it's almost right across the street from the roller derby ring yeah. in Alvin. It's right next to the tractor supply. Yeah. <laughs> we go to that tractor supply that used to, to get to be feed a Kmart. And hay. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't yes, know that used did. to be a Kmart. Wow, that makes sense. Well, that's, they keep the chicken feed where they would have all of the, you know, the 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 warehouse storage. Mm-hmm. But um, so I mean, there's I I I've had more people reach out to me saying that they didn't know there were other people like them. They didn't know anybody else in the area was even transgender um, or even queer, and it's it's very empowering because when you see that there are other people out there that have the living a similar life to you, something that's more common, you feel more empowered to be active, mm-hmm. to want to stand up, to want to make change because it's not, it, you don't have to be transgender to want to support transgender. Right. Which, which is a point. Um, and, but you know, so I don't know how to ask this and not sound, sound like an asshole. We can workshop it. Okay. So, um, I've noticed that some of the trans people or the trans people who ran, it's almost like uh, they ran as people who are citizens who are wanting to serve their community and who are interested in listening to their constituents and not as a trans advocate or, uh, you know, some other advocate for some other specific community. You're talking this year. Yes, because that's the big difference I've seen this year versus prior years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how are you going to manage? Because I'm, I'm sure that the press, what they'll be interested in is, oh, Dylan. Dylan is a trans man. Dylan, blah, 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 blah. And asking you inappropriate questions and all of that stuff. How do you, how will you control the way that... Your your campaign is perceived at but, least to your constituency. Okay, but but you made an assumption that some people are not experiencing. Okay, and so I want to check: Are you getting that from the press? Are the press treating you like a candidate? No, I haven't received exactly. any questions about my transition from the press. And, Excellent. And yeah. where it's been experienced by candidates are from the transgender press. Interesting. Wow. So having sort of said cool, that, huh? so let me ask yeah. you about your transition. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> having many, many moments That wouldn't be the transgender press. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, but that's one of the big things that has been surprising to a lot of people. Mm. I think it's great. Basically, this year, we seem to be treating candidates as candidates. Mm-hmm. We don't really care about all the little weird, salacious comments here and there or mm-hmm. the weird parts about it. It's like, are you a good candidate or not a good candidate? And in general, the press has been doing that too. We've seen very, 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 very few stories that would be exactly what we would see before. The other side that's interesting is when looking at endorsements, at least like with the caucus, 
there was there were no special points given for being a GOBT person. It's like, you know what? Right. You got to earn this position. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you don't earn the position, well, there were some people that did not get endorsed that, that lots of folks were really surprised didn't. Uh-huh. But the idea is, I honestly think that Trump and company and Abbott and company are so bad that we fully understand we have to have the best possible people to run. Absolutely. For Absolutely. Sure. And I'll throw this in. Our GLBT candidates, including the trans candidates, they don't have to apologize for how good they are, period, because they're some of the best candidates I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that's not just because they're whatever they are, if you will, as far as you know the GLBT spectrum goes. It's because they're darn good candidates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how long have you lived in Brazoria? Um, it's a year. Yeah. One year, yeah. Me and my uh, partner bought a house there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We wanted uh, chickens and ducks, so... You we know, had to move outside of the... Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually, no whenever... No. We had turkeys, but they didn't make it through the summer, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah whenever <laughs> whenever we lived out there, I, I had uh, chickens and... Uh, was it? No, it was geese. Chicken and geese. We actually had geese, but after Harvey, a bobcat came onto our <gasps> property and, you know, kind of took our geese. Oh, no. Yeah. It was, it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I had never... we So we... I was going to get feed uh, from the truck that we'd got the day before. Mm-hmm. And I was walking back uh, to the chicken coop and everything was really quiet and I had my oh, little no. wheelbarrow and I didn't see anybody walking around any of the, and anybody, I mean the ducks or the chickens. Right, right, right. <laughs> and uh, we had these geese that were large enough. I had to hug them like a full backpack when I was oh, carrying yeah. them. So they were, they were big. We we're expecting eggs any, any week now. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I went back there, all the other birds were in the coop, and then you know they were on the ground, and oh, no. they were they had been done, and, and it was an hour from when I was let them out in the morning to feed them to go to the truck get feed, unload everything, and then went back. So we went and got a hunting camera. We didn't know it did it. I was like, this is, I was I can believe why I can understand why people believe in the chupacabra. <laughs> no, this well, our issue was, was uh, coyotes. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We hear them. We haven't seen them. Yeah. You know, knock on wood. It's, it's, we, it's weird to have this conversation sitting here in Houston. Oh, yeah, chickens, ducks, and coyotes, and <laughs> bobcats. <laughs> yeah. And they could be right here, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. No, it's very, very true. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, geese aren't defenseless either, so. Oh, no, yeah. they were they, our they fierce protectors. They can be pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty shitty little creatures. <laughs> Yeah. literally literally uh, they were the pigs they were the pigs of the bird world uh, that's what i used to say they were so yeah, growing up we had watch ducks and watch geese yeah. forget the watch dog stuff <laughs> so um okay so one issue um that i i, I know this sounds kind of weird um is kind of left one of these field. trans press things? No. Uh, whenever I lived in uh, that area, uh, in the Brazoria County area, one of the big issues affecting my daily life was water quality. Mm-hmm. Um, the the smell, the taste of it, uh, the color of it. Um, you know that. You know I I could run a bath and it's brown water that smells like rotten eggs. Um, you know, those, you know, those are things that I never heard any politician talk about, and it seems to affect everyone there. Um, you know, that's fracking country. That's, 
you know, oil and gas. That's, uh, you know, the, all, everyone lives in an old oil field. That's what most of that country was, yeah. you know. Um, so those are, you know, it, it, it would be nice to see a progressive voice that is willing to talk to the people to represent their concerns, like their real concerns, and cut through some of this kind of... It seems like our culture has trained everyone to be a pundit nowadays and to pick a side and be a pundit for your side. Uh, to kind of move past that and actually talk to people about the issues that are affecting them. And uh, again, that just seems to be one of the strategies that worked really well for people like Danica. So on the water in Brazoria County, um, we have uh, city water through Pearland. Mm -hmm. Our neighbors, one house over, have well water. Oh, yeah. Through um, And the company that maintains it is called Aqua. Mm -hmm. Now, I've asked our neighbors on who live on our block um, uh, what how they feel their water is and the quality of it, and they're all dissatisfied with it. Mm -hmm. Their water is constantly – they have to go into water boil maybe about once mm -hmm. every three months. Mm -hmm. Um, they, when it, we had that big freeze, yeah, yeah. The, all their pipes weren't working and they had a bus in the main, um, for the, the system. Cause it, it all works off of well and they have retention, uh, tanks on their properties, but mm -hmm. it's all being funneled from another area. Yes. So I think that first of all, I'll say, I think that clean water is a human right. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in one of the most, especially Texas in itself, the economy that we have, there's no reason for people to not have clean water and not have access to clean water. But when it comes down to it is we need an audit of these companies that are, you know, buying the municipals uh, from mm -hmm. other companies. Most of this happened in the 70s and the 80s oh. when Texas had its uh, big lull in, uh, in industry. Really? Yeah. And they I haven't didn't know been, that. They haven't been maintaining them properly. So... When when we look at why we are having these problems and the people that are not correcting them, because they it ultimately you have slumlords, but for the quality of water, mm -hmm. you know they mm -hmm. they repair when they they need to have repair. They're not doing anything preventative wise. Um, we can start um, taking care of the issues and taking care of the people that that have these problems. But um, on the you know reaching across the aisle and finding um, nonpartisan um, um, laws and issues, I. I look at it this way currently in Texas. If you have 52 cards in a deck, I would say that, you know, the Republican Party has 50 cards and the Democratic <laughs> Party has two. And so right. I'm all for finding um, nonpartisan issues and reaching across the aisle that are going to help all of our constituents. But when it comes to larger issues, we can't afford to compromise too much because we're going to lose it all mm -hmm. especially with this new redistricting if we don't have people that are aggressive know the issues and willing to fight hard for them knowing that this is this is this is coming up to be the last stand well i think that's that's one issue that seems to be paramount for at least certainly i see it all over the place but certainly younger folks is like the the democratic spine is made out of jello, it seems like, a lot. And, um, you know, I, for instance, this last shutdown. So 
you know, oh, we're going to stand up to them, I guess, whatever their messaging was on the whole shutdown thing. We're going to do it, and we're not going to budge. Okay, we budged. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the perception that a lot of, it seemed like younger people had, and it's like, okay, if if you if you are not going to have the wherewithal to stick with your conviction, why am I block walking for you? Why am I out here busting my ass on my time off, you know, donating to you, supporting you, if you are not going to fight for me? Well, you know, one of the things you have to be a little bit careful about, and that is that if you set your absolutely will never back down point at a point that cannot be reached so that it is too high and it's unrealistic, mm. you're in trouble because well, you won't like, get there. My, yeah, my, no, that's, that's my back down, like never going to back down is like, okay, you, you want to wipe me out of existence. That's a problem. I'm not going to compromise yes. on yeah. that. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, but, but in a lot of cases, it's what you don't back down from mm. with that. Uh, shutting the government down, there's all sorts of pluses <laughs> and minuses. And, the real question there is who can spin it better. I got news for you. The Democrats just don't know how to spin no. things. Mm-mm. Part of it is they don't want to lie. <laughs> they will lie and they do lie, but it's not their normal every day. <laughs> they can't come close to the Trump administration. No. I mean, these folks There's are a reason why they really, don't want really him to sit down in, in front of the special counsel. <laughs> so one thing on the federal level that I've really enjoyed seeing is Sheila Jackson Lee's campaign has a lot of transparency. Because when there's an issue, she'll live stream uh, from her office about what's going on. Um, she'll tweet with um, about what, what's actually happening. And so I think when people hear firsthand what's happening while it's happening, you feel a little bit more empowered, like, oh, okay, I need to go an extra step. I need to call. I need to show up. I need this to happen because uh, I need to react because if I don't, we're going to get walked on. And, and I think that's true. I, I think she has figured out that that is a really, really good thing, which is really nice for a politician mm-hmm. to figure out. Yes. Is that transparency is your friend. And it is if you're trying to do what you say you're going to do. Well, yeah. if, if you're trying problem. to hide things, really not your friend. <laughs> yeah, transparency is not your friend if you're trying to hide things. <laughs> and, 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 you know, those 40 people out there that are live streaming what you're doing, you might as well just tell the truth. Be up front and do it yourself because it's going to be live streamed these days. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, okay, so you have, um, what are you doing for the primary? For the how, primary? Yeah, how are you, what, how, what are you doing to prepare for that? So um, it's be available, um, showing up to events, getting to know the constituents in the area. Um, one of the, I would say, strongest Things I've had in my favor was when we had a candidate forum sitting next to my candidate uh, answering questions at the same time has been very enlightening for the people that are showing up. Because when you're looking at primary, one thing that when you talk to people that know how to run the numbers for Democratic Party and, and finding out who's who's going to vote is the diehard Democrats are mm-hmm. the ones who show up during the primary. Yes. And those are the ones that you're uh, you're wanting to reach and to talk to. Um, and I've been fortunate to have a wonderful response uh, from the community. And so you've been screening with with organizations? Yeah. Can you tell me about that process? So, yeah. Um, so I, I 
I've screened with a few organizations. The ones that I've received endorsement from has been the Houston GOBT Caucus. Yay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Our Revolution Texas. Um, I actually went through the screening with Our Revolution Galveston, Fort Bend, Brazoria County. Mm. And then uh, they pushed it up to state level endorsement. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so I've been able to get that. And also uh, Teach the Vote, which is a, um, a group that is looking to repair teachers' pensions and to audit the um, – standardized testing system oh let's say wonder of wonders you know here in texas Mm -hmm. you are the democratic nominee hang on that's not gonna be a wonder of wonders (laughs) no no no. i so people listen to us outside of texas no wonder of wonders yeah gonna be the democratic nominee unless there's a total upset people who do not live in texas (laughs) Mm -hmm. they'll be like Holy shit. <laughs> what? Look, we just don't tell them about the good things that happen what? in Texas. <laughs> you know, we don't want them rushing over here. People are still surprised that Anise Parker was ever mayor. I mean, that's like, yeah. they're, everybody's still scratching their head it, over that one. Isn't like, it still what? a secret? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> well, and also, I, when you're outside of Texas, you're seeing a lot of what I like to call the Texodus. And that's <laughs> progressives and liberals leaving the state, uh-huh. you know, and yeah. so, and we have a lot with that. We have a lot of other people coming into the state. And I think that the, the, the radical conservative opponents are expecting a lot of people to come that just believe <clears throat> their agenda. Well, you know, so I, I, I know the perception of Texas, the, mm-hmm. the perception of uh, even Houston, you know, Houston is definitely a blue area. But even Houston is this, uh, oh, you know, it's the good old boys. The rodeo. You know? Yeah, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. You mean the most diverse city in the world? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that one? In the most diverse county in the world? That Houston? Yep. That, that oh, that Houston. Houston. Yeah, that okay, Houston. just yeah. checking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the, most people don't understand that Trump carried the state with like 5% of the registered vote. The 5% of the people who voted, it was, he just won it by 5%. That's not a blowout. You know, the expectation is Texas is a deep red state, and it's going to go for Trump and, you know, 30 points for Trump. No. No, that's not what it was at all. And I think uh, I think there's there's always been this talking point in media and political media that, you know, one of these days, Texas is going to go purple. Texas, you know, will it be this year? Will it be? I think it happened a long time ago. It's just people don't vote. The disenfranchisement of Texas has been a process that's decades in the making. And I, I think that if anything is going to get the vote out, I think one thing that I will credit Trump for that is good is that it's woken a lot of people up. There are consequences to not being involved in your elections. And Trump is one of those consequences. And that kids, uh, you know, two years ago when they were going to school, knew that they were safe. And now they know that they're not. You know, that's a consequence. Um, I think that... Um, I think that people are going to come out and be more uh, apt to be involved than ever before. That's what it seems like now. Isn't it true that, what was it? 
was it in Mississippi or Alabama or one of those other deep south states that a Democrat just now won, like yesterday? It was Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a Democrat in Mississippi won. Yeah, and then earlier a Democrat in Alabama won. Yes. I mean, and so but, but how, see, here's but one that, the... that goes to your point, how I don't think that it's unreasonable that a trans candidate can run and win Here in we this go area. Again. Trans candidates have been winning more than any other group. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. People like us once they meet us. <laughs> it's true. And I and I think what we and have, Dylan's awesome. I gotta tell you, folks. You have you have a, a a demographic of people that hasn't had a political in in a mm-hmm. long time. You know, no one's buying us. No one's even giving us the rights and the dignity. What I I, I like to say, and it's the truth, is I know what it feels like to have my rights debated on the House floor. Absolutely, yes, and it's you a do. horrible feeling. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I don't want anybody else to have to deal with that, no matter if it's your age or. And you know what? Maybe that's one of the things that you can really connect with your constituents, because in that area, you know, that area is a depressed area. Like I said, there there is some places that have the McMansion and whatnot, but more often than not, it's working poor. It's people who are disenfranchised. People who are left out of the system the elderly the, yeah the, the elderly the people who are struggling every fucking day yeah. every day persons with disabilities absolutely yeah. and they are completely cut out of the process cut out of the system they have no voice and uh you know that's something that i can relate to as a trans person it, you know one of the concerns i have i keep hearing about this big blue wave that trump's going to motivate everyone to get out I really think we should forget about all that and do everything we can to get them out ourselves because I Absolutely. just don't trust that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. if it turns sure. out that that's there too, great. Right. That's yeah. even better. You yeah. know, but, but it really worries me when people are like, well, Trump is going to get everyone out because everyone's upset. I don't yeah. know how upset they are. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they are. I know I'm upset. We have to, we have to make the wave because, I mean, this selection isn't for Trump. Yes. You know, no one's voting on Trump. No one's voting. And, and that's the point. It, yeah. it, it really isn't. And I, getting people out to vote is the big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. in Harris County, the last election in 2016, we had less than 5% of the millennials vote. Mm-hmm. That's nobody. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. It's like the random, what else was I doing? I ran by the poll mm-hmm. to ask a question almost. Or, I mean, well, in Texas in 2015, we had um, just... 4 million out of the 19 million people that were registered to vote vote. Yeah, it's less than 50% voted. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, we have a big problem with just non-voter turnout. Um, the, the one thing that I would really want to say to my future constituents is we must not focus on one person, political party, or idea to fix anything. Nothing will improve if we do not work together and create the change we need in our daily lives. We have to decide... We want to repair our state and listen while we bring real healing, power, and freedom to each other. When we make those decisions and put in the work, we will have a stronger Texas together. I really believe that in our district, when we restore the power in each other and, and put the, our heels to the ground, that we can make the change that we need. We've had a lack of transparency and consistency with the people that are currently in office that are seeking re-election. And we have a lot of dissatisfied people in the district. You know, with that being said, there are a lot of people that 
don't know that their vote matters. They don't know that their voice matters because they felt like it hasn't for so long. Well, whenever I was a part of that community, um, there was no sense I ever had growing up in that community that politics were, were important, that there was ever any reason to be a part of politics, to listen to politics, to consider it, to reach out to your representative. There was none of that. None of that was taught in school. None of it was just, it, it was a non-issue, and everything about life, whenever I was living there, was about, you know, aside from being a queer kid mm-hmm. in that area in the 80s, I mean, aside from that, it was um, just trying to get by. I, I was dirt poor. I mean, we lived off of food stamps and people giving us food and the kindness of strangers. Um it was a hard, hard life. And I don't know that, I know that it's gotten better in that area for some people. Um, but I know whenever I drive through there on my Harley, you know, just kind of riding the back roads out there, that there are a lot of people living the way that I used to live. And I, I see it out there and I recognize it. Um, and And I would love to see those people learn that they have representation that they can connect with and can call upon and can count on you know i think the key is that all people should know that they have representation they can count on Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that interestingly enough we seem to be transitioning to this year even though trump has done everything in his power (laughs) to beat it down yeah and and, you know it's one of those strange things it's like wait how did how did this show up (laughs) out of the blue this time when it's been Try it over and over. So yeah, I, I'm generally pretty optimistic about things until it's way, way, way too late. But <laughs> <laughs> but this one actually feels like we have a chance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big thing is we can't take anything for granted. You mm-hmm. may think you've got a full solid win and no way around it. And things can just go south because the money that can come pouring in from some of the mm-hmm. other places mm-hmm. are just amazing amounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, fortunately, we have a few districts, uh, especially congressional districts, that are like the contested districts in the country. They're getting all the attention, which is a good sure. thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it really, if you're a candidate, if you're considering to run in an election, if you want to be involved is don't don't stop your your benchmarks and your planning at what happens at the election mm. you have to have a long term plan you have to or be able to consider what happens next right and letting go of the expectations that you might have on what that might look like. And if nothing else, like if you're screening with the caucus, one of the questions that I really like to ask is look at something that's up for a vote in the, you know, the seat that you're going for and say, so what would you do if you were sitting there? Cause this is the job you're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems to really throw people cause they just haven't thought about it a lot of times. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, what are you running for? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to get sucked into the, the campaign. And speaking of what are you running for? Can you say exactly what you're running for, um, what, what seat, what, what is the job? If you get elected, what is the job that you're supposed to do? Is it Senate? Is it House? Are you running for a council? What, what are you doing? So I'm running for the House. I'm running to help maintain the 
competitive edge that the Democratic Party currently has on the House. Mm. With losing Speaker Strauss, we're expecting yes. to have a very rough next session. Mm -hmm. And I understand how important it is because of redistricting, let alone all of the other anti-trans, anti-immigration, anti-women bills that we know are just going to come up because we're in Texas. And, and just to put a point on this, mm -hmm. Speaker Strauss is a Republican. That's correct. Who was just censured by the Republicans for not getting on board with the bathroom bullshit. That's correct. And there's a few other Republicans who were moderate Republicans, which is, I would say, Texas true mm -hmm. Republicans, uh, Faircloth and Sarah Davis, um, mm. who are Republicans, moderate, who have been, Abbott has endorsed their opponents. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the Republican Party, in the radicalized Republican Party in Texas has seen the people who they want out to further their agenda as, as, as much as they can. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm running for the House. Um, I know a lot of great people running for the Senate, and I hope that we can get at least two members in the Senate. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to the House, we need a lot of work there. Right, yeah. right. And in, in general, in Texas right now, the House is the only functional body in Austin. Right. Uh, it the, seems the, like, the Senate is... Yeah, it's just rubber stamping. Yeah, at, at the last uh, session of the Senate, virtually everything was 22 to 11 mm -hmm. or plus or minus one vote because... Everyone rubber stamped what the lieutenant governor wanted to do if mm -hmm. they happened to be mm -hmm. Republican, and that was the 22. Mm. Right. And in the House, they actually deliberated, thought about what was good for Texas, and reached across the aisle when necessary, and in my opinion, did a very, very good job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would love to see some good old-fashioned Texas, uh, you know, whatever political identity they have, but progressives— you know, the Molly Ivans, the Jim Hightowers, you know, I would love to see that tradition come back because it seems like for the last, what, two decades now, it's been kind of mutating into this weird ethnocentric, like theocratic, weird, I don't know what it is, but it's not representative of Houston. It's not representative of the people who live here. Or San Antonio or Fort Worth and Dallas or El Paso or mm -hmm. Austin, any of those, or the border. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but you got to be careful because cause you're, you're making it as though it's all homogeneous. Most of the news stories about, oh, this passed, it was horrible in Texas, it passed the Senate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. There were very few bills that we didn't like that passed the House. Right. Very, very few. Uh, and, and some of them, I think, were almost accidental in one case anyway. Uh, people weren't aware of what was in it fully. And it, <laughs> seriously. And, and it wasn't horrible, horrible. It was just bad. But, but you know, almost all of the news was based on the horrible things that were passing the Senate. Right. Well, they weren't going anywhere. Everyone mm -hmm. knew they weren't going anywhere because they couldn't get through the House. Right. If they made it to the governor, he'd certainly sign them, but they weren't going to get there. Right. So, so you know, like the, the whole group of anti-trans bills, none passed. Mm -hmm. and, and that had nothing to do with the Senate, trust me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was all the House. So, so And I'm, so you're running for the House. Yes, I'm okay. running, and I want to help keep that competitive edge on it. Exactly, okay. and, and that, that's what we need to make sure happens. Now, it would be really nice if we got enough people swapped into the Senate to where it also started to actually that work. That would be as, something else, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. <laughs> and the other way around is to get 
a good candidate running against Abbott for governor and oh, yeah. have them win. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. Okay, so it sounds like your message is that you want to uh, maintain uh, the competitive edge uh, in the House and that you are looking to uh, engage the constituency uh, and be transparent in a way that's not been available to your constituency. Um, so what kind of support are you looking for? Um, so right now I'm looking for people that are willing to share and talk about the election that's going on and to educate and help educate the people around Oops. them about what's mm -hmm. happening. Um, during the primary, I think that the, the real, the, the fight comes down to what happens next, you know, because it's not going to, it's, it's not the primary. The primary mm -hmm. is not the goal. Even when it comes down to it, the office isn't the goal. The office mm -hmm. is a tool mm -hmm. in order to get the change and the progress that we need to repair our state so we can prepare it for the future. And so what I, what I'm looking for right now is, is just that is people that are willing to recruit, talk about the message of the, the people that they want to see in office and to help get people to the polls. That's what we need. We need people getting to the polls, dragging them out two by two, three by three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming up and for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, Robin, we miss you. I hope you're having fun doing whatever it is that you're doing off on vacation, not being here. <sighs> That's fine. But I'm suspicious because she's available for dinner in just a little while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. I shouldn't have said that, right? That sort of tells too much. So, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, good luck. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing how things turn out for you. Um, and man, I'm hoping that any progressive who is working at w whatever color they're flying under, whether it's green or Republican or Democrat, whatever, if they're if they're progressive, you know, I wish them well. And what I'll say is, it's only going to get more hectic from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is not the end that's going to taper off. This is the mountain that's going to go flying up. You're going to be busy, busy, busy. I'm excited, and I, I look forward to it. And if you are out there and you want to see my campaign, feel free to go to www.strongertexastogether.com or Facebook at Forbes for Texas and on Twitter at Forbes for Texas and Instagram. And how Forbes do you spell Forbes? That's F as in Frank, O-R-B as in boy, I-S. Okay, excellent. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll catch up with you next week. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. Before you go, we want to make sure you know about a couple of our programs that might help you or someone you know. If you're trans, intersex, or genderqueer, and are a victim of a disaster, we can help with our Trans Disaster Relief Fund. And if you're going to college, university, or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Located in Houston, Texas, we hold weekly support group meetings and run the only community-owned transgender archive that's open to the public. Also, please keep in mind that our 2018 Houston Transgender Unity Banquet will be held Saturday, September 15, 2018. If you'd like to learn more about any of this, just go to transadvocate.com. 
We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, we can help you with that at our site. Register and vote, no matter what. The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. This episode featured music by Topher Moore and Alex Lamer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America.